Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, West Shore. Are you doing good? It's so much darker than I remember. Are they coming on? They kind of are. Okay, just a wow, great job, lights team. That was amazing. Like a slow build. I didn't expect that. My bad. Hey, uh, welcome to church. Um, like it was already said, my name is Lucas. Me and my wife get to pastor downtown in the Victoria campus. But we are thankful to be here today. Um, we're in this series called the Father's Heart. The heart behind this series was truly just to take like the three weeks leading into Christmas. Like it was already said, we're like, man, we're all about Christmas at the church. We just come out of this beautiful season of conferences of just revival of, of, of all sorts of moments and, and what do we do for three weeks and it was just on our just on our heart to say like we just want to preach the gospel like truly we, we just want to get to like the beauty of who Jesus is we want to unpack three of the most commonly well-known chunks of scripture that almost everyone knows and we want to just see how beautiful God is and what he has done and the Father's heart for you and for me. And so that is the heart behind the series. It really is. Uh, like, like was said, we, we're just taking three weeks before Christmas. We're excited for Christmas. Are you, like, do we got some trees up in the living rooms already? Yeah, that's good. How many of you had, I've just said this to my wife, how many of you had a PSL in September? Pumpkin spice latte. If you don't have your tree up yet, you're a hypocrite. That's all I'm going to say. Because you're already blending seasons of summer and fall. So you might as well blend fall and winter and get to the good part, right? I will say today we're going to tackle, we're going to talk about a scripture. I think this is the most well-known scripture in the Bible. We're going to eventually get to John 3.16. But I want to pack most of John 3 leading up to that moment. I would say, in my perspective, John 3 is um, misunderstood sometimes by some, uh, overused by others. Thank you, Forever 21, right, on the, on the, on the yellow bag. Rest in peace. Um, but we all know this verse. And yet there's so much going into this verse that I don't want us to miss. This story is truly about a guy named Nicodemus more than it is just Jesus saying something to a, a large crowd of people. It's not really what's happening in this moment. In fact, I will just quickly, um, just quickly say on the side here, if you haven't seen The Chosen, you need to watch The Chosen. It's really good. I, I used to kind of, I remember saying this to, to Pastor Lisa. She'd come in the office and, and Lisa would say like to everyone, like she'd make like a public announcement in the middle of a work day. If you haven't seen The Chosen... You have to go home and watch The Chosen. And me and Trina didn't do it for a while. And then finally Trina came home. She's like, we're watching it. And I was like, ah. And listen. Listen for a second. It's not that I don't want to learn more about Jesus. That's not it. It's just that sometimes Christian films, like, just don't quite have the same budget as, like, Top Gun. Right? Like, it's, they're just not, they're not on the same playing field sometimes. Right? Like, I'm not saying, but this one is very well done. So if you haven't seen it, turn off whatever weird, like, serial killer documentary you're watching and watch. I'm serious. Some of you are watching it. And it's not good for your mind or your heart. Turn it off. Watch The Chosen. I, even Trina came home, like, recently, and she was like, we're watching it again. We're just doing it all over again. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it because it's that good. And they do a great job of even sharing about Nicodemus. I think the way they creatively take it is very well done. So three weeks, three chunks of scripture. My turn is John 3. John 3, starting in verse 1, right from the very top. So if you have a Bible, you can go there, or of course, you can read along with us. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, 
who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus that night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell when it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus, again, he's a, he's a religious Pharisee. He had power. He was part of the Jewish ruling council, which means the Sanhedrin. Really, he was educated, influential. He had good posture in the community. He wasn't just like teaching people. He was teaching teachers. He was a rabbi of rabbis. He was making decisions that, that really moved and benefited the whole Sanhedrin, the whole Jewish council. Like he was a guy in charge. Nicodemus is actually a Greek name, so it was probably a fact that he would have gone and studied and understood other philosophies, other educational kind of streams, other places, other people. I think Nicodemus takes some heed here. I think we often hear that he came by night and that remember that in Sunday school? He came by night and he was he was scared of his faith and you should be a soldier in the Lord's army, right? Like it was we kind of always heard that, but I think it might have just been this was the only moment he could get to Jesus. So he went right away. Like truly, we look at this sometimes as like a, a hidden Pharisee when this might have been his moment of desperation. And I'm just at the door knocking at whatever time I can get to Jesus. It's hard for us to see why such an intelligent man could not you know, get the simplicity of what Jesus is saying on this side of the cross, on this side of understanding all that there is to say. But for this moment, this is challenging. You have to understand, again, this is a, it was a common teaching principle for many Pharisees and Jewish people that the first two aspects of the new covenant had been fulfilled. Follow me here for a second. Firstly, that Israel had been kind of semi-gathered in this one place. That was one part of it. Secondly, that they had this spiritual revival movement, and that movement was the Pharisees. It was this educated, organized group of well-learned, you know, people who all understood everything about the Torah. They had everything they needed. So Jesus is coming and stating things that are quite, like, jarring. Very different for them in their culture and everything they've learned. Not to mention the Jewish assumption at this time was that their racial identity, their old birth, assured them a place in God's kingdom. They were God's chosen people. There's no doubt that God has a special place for this group of people. We can see that throughout the whole Bible. But this is why Jesus' words are so clear, like I said, jarring, kind of to the point with Nicodemus. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. He's completely changing the paradigm in Nicodemus' mind. This would be very challenging. For years he has studied and learned and even taught with his own lips, with his own actions, how this whole thing goes. And for this time he's saying, this is different. <laughs> and this is what's so important for all of us to know, that the Father's heart, that all should be welcomed in that all shall hear the good news of Jesus, that everyone is allowed, is able, is capable to listen, to hear, that everyone is allowed in. Jesus is leveling the playing field, and he's talking to one of the most influential Jewish leaders at this point, saying, 
I know you think it's just your right, it's just your assurance, but I have come so that everyone could have assurance, so that everyone could join me and my Father, so that everyone could know me and have me and live in eternity with me. Good news, amen? I, uh, it's the assumption sometimes of the preacher to know who's in the crowd, but I just need someone to hear that again today. You maybe didn't feel like you were welcome. You maybe heard messages growing up in a different church that told you differently. This is Jesus saying that all shall be welcomed in. And I want you to hear that this morning. Again, he's explaining to someone who is powerful, who has it all, who knows all. And I think it's hard because for many of us, we spend a lot of time, a lot of years, kind of working for our assurance or working for our whatever. If you want to be a doctor, that's a lot of time in school. Couldn't have done that myself. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like we do things that take us a long time to get somewhere, but assurance doesn't come from an earthly birthright. It comes from this heavenly inheritance, listen, bought by Jesus Christ. Not brought by Jesus, but bought. That's important. Those two things are different. He might have brought in something to, to, to earth, but he bought it with his own life, and this matters a lot. I want to again, I actually want to give the Pharisees some, some love and some credit. I think we always tear them down. They get painted with such a bad brush. For one, this term Pharisee actually just means separated ones. And it wasn't a term they gave themselves. It was something that was given to them. In their striving for holiness, in their striving for understanding God's word, they emphasized the oral tradition. They extended Jewish practices from the temple to real life. They helped people understand eternity. They promoted like greater instilling, they instilled greater charity in the common people. They really did try it. Yet, where this goes wrong for them, and if you know the rest of the story, you'll understand what I'm saying, but where it goes wrong for the Pharisees is it became less about people just sold out and loving the Lord, and more it became about politics, drawing for power. They start to split into many groups, the Hillel or the Shemai, or you had the Sadducees or the Essians. They had all these questions, and they could never agree. For the Pharisees, it became less about trusting God which is their whole history, and more about overthrowing the Romans in their own ability, in their own ways, more power, more influence. And as soon, I just want to say this, I don't want to be careful, but I really believe this, as soon as life, culture, society, specific people groups becomes more about power and influence and pride and money and ego, we miss the beauty of culture and groups and history and and heritage, don't we? We really miss it. Every culture matters. Every ethnicity has a beautiful story and a history and a heritage that should be learned and celebrated and honored. Yet Jesus says here, I'm breaking any entitlement that any culture would try and create. Any culture that's trying to create an entitlement, a place where only they receive from me, I'm breaking that in half. I'll put myself on the cross to make sure that doesn't happen, that every person should know. And he's actually creating this inheritance for every person. I was chatting with a good uh, brother from downtown, Alalu, and he he gave me this thought, and it was so good I had to just quote him. He was saying, culture gives us a sense of heritage, uniqueness, diversity. For many, it provides a belonging and richness which should be celebrated and loved, and appreciated. Yet the culture of the kingdom is one that unifies us in our heterogeneity, 
Jesus gives us an, an inheritance that is beyond worldly norms, beyond worldly practices, and beyond worldly devices. Jesus brought a kingdom culture church, and every single person is welcome in. Are you hearing me this morning? I really think this matters. I need you to hear this. And that's why this statement about new birth is so strange for Nicodemus, so different for Nicodemus. They'd only looked for this triumphant, militant Messiah, and yet now, here comes someone who's saying, everyone is welcome, be born again. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a new heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. In you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is why Jesus is saying, you should know this. I've been talking about this for years. Why is this so odd for you, Nicodemus? Why is this so challenging? I will put a, give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. He knew this scripture. This was a prophetic word. And yet Nicodemus says, verse 9, let's keep reading. How can this be? Nicodemus said, you are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Basically, what he's saying is like, you've seen miracles, that's why you said I must be from God. You see us doing things, talking about things. It doesn't matter what I say or do. You've made up your mind. You made up your mind. No one has ever, pardon me, gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. That gives us a bit of a tough, those 90 minutes in heaven books, that's, that's, a, that's, those, you know, that's challenging, isn't it? I might have stepped on someone's toes. I apologize. It's just the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. Except who? The Son of Man. That's a reference to himself. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Okay, there's a lot here. I want to break this down. And yeah, I totally just stopped reading John 3.15 right there, right? The Son of Man. The Son of Man must be lifted up just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. There's a lot here. To, there's honestly a lot here to understand about God's heart. Because that's what this series is about, the Father's heart. Firstly, to understand Jesus' reference to Moses. In number, you have to know some Old Testament history. So we're going to go there for a second. In Numbers 21, you will find this strange, sort of intense, quick story within the epicness of Exodus, right, about the Israelites. And as they've just kind of headed out of the, like, slavery, they're headed towards the promised land. They've just, like, won an incredible battle that the Lord basically just handed them to, like, just gave it to them. They were outmatched, outclassed, outnumbered in every way. But, of course, God provides. And then the Israelites start to have this grumbling problem. The Israelites have a chronic grumbling problem in the Old Testament. I don't know if you've seen that a little bit. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not kidding. The other day, me and Bo, we went to um, get groceries. Sometimes we do that together. First, it started me in Georgia. It was our thing, and then it quickly became boring. Now, me and Bo go, and Bo goes because he just wants to try and pick snacks, but then Dad has to lay his foot down to only seven snacks. Um, just kidding. I got to be stronger. I'm sorry. Um, no, we go. We're in the cereal aisle. The cereal aisle with a kid is hell. Like, it's, it's horrible. It's so bad because you don't know what your kids are going to do. And I didn't know this, but grocery stores put all the sugary cereals at their height. I didn't know this. So why, why am I always looking at, like, Raisin Bran? Like, where's... It's because Lucky Charms are down here, you know? And, and so Bo saw, I think it was, like, Reese's 
puffs, like the Reese's peanut butter. Pu- I didn't know. I didn't know that was a cereal. And he picked it up. He was like, "Dad," I was like, "No, bud, we're not. We're not getting that. Like, go. Oh, you can't have that." And he was just like, "Come on, Dad!" Like so angry. And he's just like, "You gotta come on, Dad. Please, 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 puppy eyes. He just puppy eyes." I'm like, "No, like put it away." Oh, he's so mad. And he walks. And then he picks up the jumbo Lucky Charms box. And he's like. Dad, you know, I'm like, no, we're not getting Lucky Charms. Not today, maybe later, but not right now because dad knows he shouldn't. And he's just like, why do you hate me? You don't even love me. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, you, th- oh, yeah, oh, he's so sweet. He needs a hug. No, he doesn't. He needs discipline and he needs, and so I had to come down on him, right? I feel like all the dads were like, yeah, Ugh. And the moms were like, you better hug your son right now okay so this is what I did I was like Bo we can't get that right now and then he like goes to ground like you know when your kid acts like they've been shot in an action movie and they're like no like why me lord like he's just crying and complaining and saying mean things to me and he's just calling me the the worst dad and people are walking by and you have to be like he's fine it's okay he is mine I know and you're having this moment he's just complaining and complaining I'm like why don't we just get Cheerios because it's still probably no better than cardboard, but it just feels better as a parent to buy Honey Nut Cheerios. And he's getting so mad. And so I just was like, fine, that's it. Threw it away. We're getting, we're getting shredded wheat. And that's what I did. I, bought, I grabbed the shredded wheat and we're getting Mucilix. You want Mucilix? Yeah, we're going to get Mucilix for your dietary fiber needs. So there you go. You, wanted, you didn't listen. Now you're in trouble, right? Because sometimes dad's got to come down. I'm actually the softie in our family. That's what's funny. Like, I really. The Israelites are like, we can't walk any further. Like, we just can't go. But we're going to the promised land. Milk and honey. Ah, fine. It's like, do we have to go? Like, there's people in the way. Well, God will just take care of that battle. Ah, but it's still tiring. The Israelites, we're so hungry. Well, I'll just give you bread. Beautiful bread from heaven. Leftovers? Oh. When we say we're having leftovers at our house, it's the kids melt down. Like it is. God, listen, here's the moral of the story. Don't go down the cereal aisle. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Ending the joke, moving back to the Bible. They complain and complain and complain. And so God finally says, enough. You don't trust me. You're not listening. You're understanding where I'm trying to take you. And so in Numbers 21, this is a real story. I'm not going to skip through it to try and get past the intense parts. Quite literally, God sends snakes, poisonous snakes, and many were bitten, some even died. And they're so distraught by what's happening. They run to Moses and say, Moses, please pray for us. We don't know what to do. So Moses prays, and God says, fine. Build a bronze statue with a serpent on it, and anyone who looks at it will be healed from the poisonous snakes. They do that, many are healed. They recognize their sin. They come to Moses, and God provides a way out. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus is teeing up here for Nicodemus the gospel message. Yes, the gospel message that is full of love and hope and redemption. Yes, the gospel message that has sacrifice and mercy and grace. Yet, we have a Savior because we are sinners. And to not share that part is to not share the whole gospel. I truly believe that even this story in Numbers 21 is actually 
truly displays the, God, the Father's heart in a beautiful way. Because in order to be a just, noble, moral God, he has to judge wickedness. He also is a loving Father that creates a way forward. And some of you would say, how do those two things come together? Well, he can't let evil and wickedness and wrong and hate and despair keep moving forward. So he has to be a good judge, a moral judge. That makes sense, because that's what good people do. They see wrong and they make it right. But he also has to be one who is loving and, and sacrificial and graceful. Exactly. That's why the Father's heart may judge our sin, but his, the Father's heart also takes our place. Come on. The Father's heart may judge our sin, may say that isn't okay, but to make a way forward for every person in their sin, I will take your place. And so you have the Israelites looking at this bronze serpent with its, with a with like bronze statue with a serpent. Many people feel like it probably looks something like a cross with a serpent on it. Who knows? And so they're all looking at their sin, but they're also looking at what? Their healing, their redemption, their place with the Lord, their forgiveness. And Jesus is up like on the cross for us and for you and me. And I think sometimes we look at the cross as just a symbol of hope, right? It's a chain necklace or something. The cross this was the crucifixion. The Romans would put thieves on crosses for miles outside their cities to show that there is tyranny and there is hurt and there is pain if you don't listen. The cross was not a nice symbol early on. So when, when people looked at the cross and saw Jesus, they, they didn't know what to think in that moment. For us, we see our sin being taken care of. We see our loving Father taking our place. And praise God, he did not stay there. Amen? He rose again, defeating death giving us a way towards heaven because he is stronger than any sin in this room and anywhere. God used the snake, which often is this picture of evil, but bronze in the Old Testament is, this, is more of a symbol of testified, purified, put through fire, gone through judgment. And so a bronze serpent is a picture of sin judged and dealt with. So they're seeing the very thing that may have hurt them, but they're seeing it purified, um, put aside, dealt with. He shows them their sin. It provides a way towards hope and healing and redemption. And this is a depiction that Jesus mentions, showing that similarly I have come to judge sin, sure, but to take your place. That is really good news. Because the church is a just God. He is also a loving father. And those two things both can coexist. And I think sometimes for us, we are not so unlike Nicodemus. Or even like the Israelites. We're sinners deserving of who knows what. But praise be to God. His mercy is easy to spot. Amen. On the cross. Although this emblem of judgment, he draws us back to himself. And we are saved from a spiritual death and granted eternal life instead. And I doubt the Israelites wanted to fix their eyes on that serpent. <laughs> I sure wouldn't have wanted to. Yet he, he literally says, I'm going to condemn sin. Convict the sinner, sure, but condemn sin. And that matters, you guys. The Father's heart says, your heart isn't okay. Judge. So I'll lay down my life to give you a new one. Mercy. This is the Father's heart. Your heart isn't okay, but I'll lay down my life to give you a new one. There's, there's a judgment of the sin, but there is a replacement for the sinner. There is new life for the sinner. There is new joy for the sinner. There is hope for the sinner. And I can't help but, I can't help but wonder how many of us are like Nicodemus, who, who know all the right things, who say all the right things, right? Who read scripture and 
come to church, maybe give, maybe sing, maybe tithe, maybe serve. We live knowing that we need spiritual transformation, yet our answers are always ones that come from earthly wisdom. And this is where I think our culture and time is getting it so wrong. You know what's funny? I had a conversation with someone recently who was saying, how come I have my, friend, my kids and my kids' friends more interested in things like Ouija boards and the spiritual, and yet often us, the well-known Christians, just want to handle everything in our own wisdom? It is interesting that the younger culture is quite intrigued by the spiritual, yet we want to give just earthly wisdom. Think about that for a moment. Truly think about this. Jesus is not coming with earthly wisdom here. He is completely replacing this shift for Nicodemus of just where you're born and who you are and do the right thing to. You need a spiritual rebirth right here. Something has to change here, right here. You can't just do enough to gain enough. You can't just say enough to be enough. You know, we sing a song all the time that says, because he is enough, therefore I am enough. Because of the spiritual moment that happened on the cross, I can now receive. And it, like it was said, in, I think I heard some guys talking about it in the back. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. Everything has changed. And so you can't just know enough of the Bible or the Torah for Nicodemus. You can't just earn it, memorization and schooling. You can't just be born into it. And I feel like for us, the Lord, for us today, and even last week when I was preaching, the Lord dropped something in my heart on this message. Because I was like, Lord, John 3.16... Like, everyone knows it. You may, you may be brought in with a friend. Maybe somebody bribed you, and they're going to pay for your lunch after. And that's the only reason you're here. We're glad you're here. Honestly, we really are. And you're like, even I know John 3.16. And I don't believe it. I don't even know it. I don't even, like, big deal. And I really feel like for us, even for the longtime Christian, you may know John 3.16, but he's not asking you to know it. Honestly, he doesn't care if you know it. Do you believe it? John 3.16 does not say, for God was so pleased by our earthly wisdom that he gave his one only son. It does not say, for God was so impressed by your ability to serve that he gave his one only son. Well, for God was so amazed at your charity and good deeds at Christmas. It doesn't say that. God was so moved by your time spent in Thailand. Bless the team. It's a good thing, guys. It's a good thing. It's not what it says. The Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. That was C.S. Lewis. The Bible actually does not say, for God was so amazed at us. He, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. that he gave his one and only son, that whoever knows this verse shall not perish, that whoever believes in him. doesn't care if you know it. Do you believe it? It doesn't matter how many times it's been recited or, or you've seen on an Instagram bio of this athlete or this person. We can keep doing things for the Lord and he's just it starts here, you guys. For God so loved the world. He loves you. He takes your place. He saw your sin and he said, I'll go to the cross. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He had to judge the sin and the wickedness. He could not let that go. So what does he do? He lays down his own life. He gives his son to take our place. And whoever would believe in him with real belief, with a belief that's sincere, with a belief that says, I don't have it all, Lord, but I know you do. I may have thought of some things, but I know you have more. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Some people know John 3.16, but you might need to practice John 3.17 a little bit more. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. He condemns sin. In fact, I was reading a book um, by N.T. Wright all about Romans 8, and he goes on to say that quite literally, he wasn't just condemning our personal sin, but the power of sin itself is condemned on the cross, taken care of, and we have eternity and life and life to the full and joy and purpose through Jesus. Amen. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. There's that word belief again. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict, church. Light has come into people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for what for fear that their deeds will be exposed but whoever lives by the truth and comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they that what they have done has been done in the sight of god for some of you the only reason john three sixteen is something you know versus something you believe is in fear of coming to the lord or coming to someone and just confessing and talking about the real darkness. But all that does is keep you living in darkness. All that does is keep things dark, heavy, truly scary, fearful, worrisome. But this is the verdict. Light has come. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Some of you have been walking in darkness. A sin you cannot stop. A fear you cannot get rid of. An anxiety that's just so stressful. Jesus is asking you to come to the light. To not be scared. To run to him. It's time to stop acting like you have it all together. And believe in if I can, I'll just finish with a story as we close here. And I, I remember grade 12, we went on this hiking trip as like a grad thing. And we had like the most non-athletic group of all time. And so everyone got these enjoyable kind of one or two day hikes where you camp somewhere. And we just had this cabin. We'd go for like a 20 minute walk and come right back. And that was about it. Except the last day. The last day, myself, my cousin, a buddy, and then another group of girls and other people around us, we all walked up. This, we had like a 10k hike up this massive hill, this huge ledge, and we were supposed to stay at this cabin when we got to the top. And I remember walking up, and we just took our time. We left late, we had a lunch, we had second lunch, we had dinner, we had supper. We were like hobbits. Like we just kept eating, not getting very far. And then the final bit was was scary. It's like a little ledge. I remember thinking this is the first time I really could die. Like right here, this is not, this is scary, but this is beautiful and we keep walking and we finally get up and me and my cousin come back down and we grab some other people's bags because it's just so tiring it's getting dark out 
We get to the top, and Trinity Western University has, has already gotten there with a group of like 14 college students, a couple like professors, and they have like a three-day thing up there, and there is no room. I'm saying there is no room for anyone to sleep if we're all staying up there. And so in the infinite wisdom of Trinity Western University and my adult chaperones, they decided to send the teenagers back down the hill at dark. It's not funny. You didn't, you didn't do it. And in the moment, I'm like, it's fine. We just did it. It's, just, it's downhill. How hard can it be? I'm fine. I'll even carry your bag. And I start like being a grade 12 guy where you're, boy, grade 12 boy where you're like puffing out your chest and assuming you can do all things in the name of yourself, right? So I put on my backpack and grab someone else. I put on the front and people are like, we're walking out and there's some people that are crying. They're like, this is not good. It'll be fine. It's fine. And it was like we walked out that door. It had snowed like eight inches and a group of teenagers are walking down a ledge in the dark, in the snow, in the cold. And it was like something hit me and I instantly got so scared. And I'm walking down this ledge. I'm like, this is not cool. Like people are slipping. We had to put ropes, we attach each other. We stop somewhere. I'm like, I don't remember this. Our adult chaperone's like, I don't remember this. We're getting lost. Guys, this is the Rockies. And when it is dark out, it's funny how like every little sound, you're instantly like, bear, bear. I definitely heard a bear. Do you ever get that? You're like walking from your car to your house and you hear something out in the West Shore. It's like, that's a cougar, that's a cougar. You start doing the Jurassic Park, Chris Pratt thing. <laughs> I remember stopping. We actually got lost for a moment. It's now like getting like past midnight. It's in the morning. And I'm like, we just have to keep going. Like, I don't want to part. We don't have tents. We didn't plan to stay outside. I'm so scared. It's so dark. It's so cold. And you start to think things like, this is where I'll be forever. Never getting out of this. There's no hope here. Are they going to have to send like search and rescue? They're going to have to make that call to mom and dad. Mom and dad are going to think it's my fault. Like all of those things really go through your mind. And you don't ever know when, you don't know what time it is like, you have no water. Like some of you are starving. Some of you are thirsty. Some of you are walking down this ledge, this path. You think you can handle it. You're going to be fine. And the truth is that darkness is scary. That, that feeling of like being alone is real. And Jesus is saying, I am the light. Whoever comes to me walks in the light of life. If you just believe in me, I will not just give you eternity forever, but I will give you hope for a future here and now. I love you so much. I've sent my son. Just believe in me. We eventually get back. I remember seeing some fire, like a tiny little fire. Some teachers had stayed up for us, and we, I sprinted. I got, I was like passing people. I was like, just, I'm fine. But I just, you know, I want to get warm. No, I was scared. I was worried. I needed hope. Don't walk in the darkness anymore. It's not fun. Choose life. Choose love. Choose grace and mercy. Don't walk out of here with the sin you walked in with. Jesus wants to handle that here and now. For God so loved you, we're sure, that he gave his one only son. 
but whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If I pray over you today, Heavenly Father, we spent a morning looking at your scripture. We spent a morning studying your words, Jesus. And I just pray with every bit of me this morning that no one would keep walking in darkness. That any person here who is just struggling, who feels tired, who feels heavy, who feels fearful or ashamed, who's scared to come into the light because then that light shines on the dark, the dark places, I pray in Jesus' mighty name, you would come, you would shine a light, and in that moment, people would receive your grace and your mercy and your love and your hope. There's people in here who need hope today, Jesus, and you know them. I don't need to point them out. They don't even need to raise their hand, Jesus. You know them. And I pray that they would pray an honest prayer, a prayer of belief today, a prayer of faith today, a prayer that says, Jesus, I choose you. I trust you. I know some answers, but I need a spiritual transformation. I need the Father's heart to give me a new one. That's what I need. If this morning you've come brand new to this whole thing, and you haven't really made a statement of faith that says, I choose to believe. Now is your time. If you've been coming for years and you've never really felt like you had that belief moment, you've practiced, but you want to know deep in your heart, you feel ashamed of something, whatever it may be, now is your time. Would you just like posture yourself? You can, you can raise a hand. You can just open your hands for a moment. You can take a deep breath just pray a simple prayer it says Jesus I love you thank you for your grace I encourage you if you are praying audibly pray something your body is telling your mind your spirit something so just go ahead just Jesus I thank you for the cross Holy Spirit come alive in me shine your light in my dark places you don't even have, he already knows what's going on. You say, Lord, I confess to you, I have not been perfect. So give me, Lord, a new heart. Help me to believe in this moment. Jesus, I choose you to run with you, to, to, to do life with you. I choose to put you first in my decisions. Come on, I know someone needs to pray this prayer. Lord, I love you because you've loved me. I thank you, Lord, for the cross. Forgive me, Jesus, for I need it. Be my Savior. Be my living hope. Be my real hope, grace, and mercy right here, right now. Maybe you need to lift your hands and worship in this next moment because you're saying, Jesus, this is my complete and total surrender. I believe in you more than I believe in anything else. John 3.16 is not just something I have heard, but something I choose to believe now and forever. That is our prayer, Jesus. So bless us with your presence today, Lord. Give us your strength today, Lord. Help the person who is in a place of darkness to find the light today, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Would you stand to your feet all across this room? Lord, we don't want to be in darkness anymore. We don't want to be in darkness anymore. If that's how you're feeling, just lift up your hands. Say, Lord, I don't want to be in darkness. I chase your light. I chase your love. I ask for you to come now. Holy Spirit, come. Maybe you're making a decision right now for the first time. Declare him. Say, Jesus, I love you. I trust you. And I believe in you. Just lift up your hands in complete surrender, saying, Holy Spirit, I need you more than I need anything else. I faithfully put all of my life in yours, Lord, and I trust you with all that I have. 
Come on, let us sing. Let us pray. Let us believe with faith in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody said amen. Amen. Let's sing together.